Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a timely message entitled, God's Expectations for the Preacher, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Preachers have a specific call from God. The good soldier that Paul mentioned in 2 Timothy 2 is one who wants to please the one who enlisted him. That is just as true when we get to chapter 4, and Paul talks about the preacher. His greatest desire ought to be to please the one who called him, the one who enlisted him. Here's Pastor Tim. I'm glad to know that we are making our way now into the fourth chapter, the final chapter of 2 Timothy. So I hope you have your Bible with you and you'll turn there, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I want to talk to you tonight about God's expectations of the preacher. Uh, There are times when the congregation has certain expectations. Sometimes those expectations are realistic, sometimes not so much, you know. Uh, They said that there was a pulpit committee and they were looking for a pastor who was 29 years old, who had 20 years of experience, who would spend all of his day in the office and always be on call for anybody who needed him, but who also spent all of his time with his family, you know? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Of course, I also heard the thing about um, the pulpit committee that was looking for a new preacher in first century, and they got 12, 13, let me give it 13 different resumes in, and they begin to check them off. Nope. Can't be Jesus, nope. Can't be Peter, nope. Can't be Matthew, nope. Can't be the perfect candidate seemed to be Judas. And so (laughs) they ended up with exactly what they wanted. Sometimes the expectations are just expectations that come out of our own desires. That's not really where God's expectations come from. They come out of his word. And we want to make sure that the pastor, that the preacher is in keeping with that word. And I'll get into that just a little bit more in just a moment. In fact, I've got three expectations for you tonight out of this particular passage, and you're probably going to balk at the first one. Because as soon as I say it in my own heart, I kind of go, ooh, I don't know about that one. So I'll have to explain it good, won't I? Number one, God expects the preacher to be pleasing. To be pleasing. Now, I mean, everybody likes to be liked, right? Everybody wants to have friends. Everybody wants to be appreciated for what they do. But that's not really the kind of pleasing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the preacher pleasing the one that he needs to please. For example, look, if you will, in verse number one. This is Paul writing to young Timothy, The new pastor, he's been a pastor now for just a few years. The new pastor, we still will say, at the church in Ephesus. And so Paul, his mentor, writes to him and says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And then you see at the end of verse number one, if your translation's like mine, that it has a colon that's right there. So in other words, he's about to give him, in verse number two, what the charge is or what the challenge is. What I see from this passage is, is that there's someone that the, pe- that the preacher has to please. He doesn't have to be pleasing to his co-laborers. You know, I mean, he wants to. When, uh, when the pastor has 
other staff members or has other helpers around him, volunteer or paid. He wants to be pleasing to them. But that's not his main concern. If he's primarily concerned with pleasing those that are around him working, is he really not just catering to them because of their work, because of their labor, because of what they add to the work that he's trying to do? Sure, he wants to get along with his co-workers, and the best thing that he can do with that is to love them, and to love them unconditionally. But his idea is not to please them. There'll be times when we, as your staff, will talk about different things, and we may come up with different opinions on where something needs to be or what needs to happen. That's okay, you know? It's okay to have differences of opinion. But the staff has to know that the preacher understands his call from God and has to make the decisions that he feels like God's calling him to make. He's not has to be pleasing to his co-laborers. Secondly, you may not like this one, but he doesn't have to be pleasing to his congregation. I mean, he wants to be. I want to be, you know? I want people to like me. I mean, by, I think by nature, I am a people pleaser. I, I, I want to do things that make others happier, that make their, their life and their journey a little bit easier. You know, I want, to be, I want to be helpful in that way. But the reality is, is that you can't please everybody in the congregation. You know, I've told you this before. If you ever get four Baptists together, you get five opinions, right? There's no way that you can please everybody in the congregation. And here comes the the catch-22 almost that the preacher finds himself in. I've told this to Sean, I've told this to Sage, I've told this even to some of you. The preacher is the pastor of the church by the call of God and by the pleasure of the congregation. So God calls a man to that particular office, to that particular work. And I have to tell you that there are times when you just look and you go, I I know that God put me here and that's what keeps me here. But it's also at the pleasure of the congregation. God may say, I want this person to be your pastor. But because of the way that we are structured, we may not vote according to God's will. We may not even seek God's will. Now hopefully we do. But a person doesn't necessarily have to do that. They may find somebody who is an excellent orator, and they say, that's the kind of preacher that I want. They may find someone who is so personable, who loves to visit in the homes, and they say, that's the kind of preacher that I want. They may need know of, of issues that are going on behind the scenes in the church, and they say, you know what, he is a, that guy has a sharp business mind. We need that kind of preacher. If you ever get a congregation together, they're always going to have different ideas about who the preacher should be and what his role ought to be. So the preacher cannot seek to please the congregation. Now, he doesn't have to be a jerk, 
<laughs> you know, he doesn't have to be a jerk. He doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to tick people off just because he can. But there comes a point to where you have to choose between truth and pleasing. It happens among the staff. It happens among the congregation. There's really only one that he has to please, and he must be pleasing to Christ. He must be pleasing to Christ. Paul says, I charge you. And the word that he uses means I testify, I bear witness. In other words, here is this old preacher. This is the last book he's going to write. He's, he's at the end of his life. If he hadn't handed the baton yet, he's handing it. He's telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, I have learned a few things over the years. And here's something that you need to know. So when he says, I charge you, he's saying, I'm bearing witness to you that after all of these years of ministry, this is what I have learned. And notice what he says. It is before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, both that he testifies and that Timothy will do his work. Look at what is so important about this need to please Christ. He says, Christ is the one who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What's he talking about? He's talking about those who will live in heaven with him forever. He's talking about those who will spend eternity dying in hell. He says he has, he has judgment over both of those. I know that there comes a point to where sometimes we forget that even we as believers will stand in judgment before God. You know, I'm not going to stand in judgment before God because I'm a Christian. He's just going to say, enter into your rest. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive rewards for those things that are done in the body. In the same way that in those, we could, we could compare it to those Olympic games and those runners run and, and somebody wins and they come to that place in the arena called the Bema seat where the most important person, the highest ranked person that's in attendance gets to sit. If it's a king, then the king sits there. If it's a prince, then it's the prince who sits there. If it's the boss, then it's the boss who sits there. The highest ranking person in attendance sits at the bema seat and he is the one who hands out the laurels to the winners. The highest ranking person in attendance is God. It is Christ who sits on that bema seat, on the judgment seat of Christ, and he hands out his laurels, his crowns, his stones, if you will. You're going to be judged. And the wicked will too. Not at that same time. They won't be there. They'll stand at that great white throne judgment. And they'll answer for everything that they have done. And not one person who's there will be a believer. Not one person will be saved. And some will suffer loss more than others. Preacher needs to be aware that he serves not just a congregation, but that he serves Christ. That yes, he will answer to his congregation. There will be times when the congregation will say, it's enough. <clears throat> but he stands and he works before God. 
who will judge him at his appearing and at his kingdom. God expects the preacher to be pleasing to himself. Number two, God expects the preacher to be preaching, you know? <clears throat> not to sit on a stool and share some stories with you. Not to, not to stand and give their opinion. Not to, not to tell the, the latest news about whatever it is that's in the newspaper or on television. He is to preach. And that's where the charge begins. And remember, he said, I charge you, Timothy. Charges him what? It's in verse number two. Preach the word. That's what he's to preach. He is to preach the word of God. Now, there'll be times, and, and I try to make sure and tell you, you know, this is my opinion. This is what I think that this says. But the reality is, is that my opinion means nothing. The reality is, is that my opinion hopefully will stir you in the right direction, but it might not. You know, you, you can't, you can't. <laughs> I had a professor one time at, uh, uh, he, was a, he was one of our Hebrew professors, and he'd look at us and he'd say, you swing over hell on that translation? <laughs> you know, don't swing over hell on my opinion. Swing over it over the word of God. It's never going to fail you. It's never going to leave you. You preach the word. Preach the word. Now, it may not be, it may not be uh, the most popular thing. People may not be <clears throat> knocking down the doors to get in to hear the word of God preached in our particular day. There are plenty of places where they can go and feel good about themselves when they leave. Somebody said they either will, <laughs> they, they either will hate your message or they'll hate you, you know, one way or the other. You need to realize the preacher has but one text, and that's the Bible. Let me, let me break it down in these two ways for you. Number one, he is to preach all the scriptures. He doesn't say preach a portion of the word. He doesn't say preach this part of the word. He doesn't say preach your favorite verses out of the word. He simply says preach the word. So if I could go back with you, take you back just a couple of verses back into chapter number three. Look at verse number 16. It just recalls my mind back to that verse where he says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. There's some points of Scripture that are not fun. I'm going to just tell you. They're not fun to study. They're certainly not fun to preach. But they have to be. The whole thing. There's not a portion that ought to be left out. I have a pastor friend in town who, who likes to preach, kind of like I do, he likes to preach verse by verse through books of the Bible. And so I asked him after, after I had not talked to him for quite a while, and I said, what are you, what are you preaching through lately? <clears throat> and he says, I'm preaching through Leviticus. <laughs> and I just thought, ouch, ouch, you know, how does, how does that go? It goes because it's God's Word. It's not my responsibility to make God's Word interesting. It's not my, it's not my job to make God's Word relevant. It's already relevant. It's already interesting. It's already His Word. So the preacher preaches the Scriptures, and he preaches all of them, whether he likes it or he doesn't. Secondly, 
Not only does he have to preach all the scriptures, he has to preach in all the seasons. In all the seasons, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. A lot gets made about the fact that you'll notice that your little word and there is in italics, which means that it's not really there. Be ready in season, out of season. I think whether the word there, and is there or not really doesn't matter. What it means is be ready all the time. You know, I am, I, I am amazed at one of my uh, newer heroes among preachers, and that's R.G. You know, I love to hear the things he has to say and, and just, to, just to realize that he still prepares sermons, you know, sermons that may not ever get preached, but he's ready. If called upon and God were to say, R.G., I want you to preach right now, He's ready. I want to be ready like that. I want to be ready in all the seasons when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. When people want it and when they don't want it. Notice how he says that is to take place. He gives us a little bit more understanding in verse number 2 after he says be ready no matter what the season is. This is how you do it. You convince, you rebuke, You exhort those three things. Every message ought to fall into one of those categories primarily, and it may overlap into several of those categories. There are times when you need to be convinced, when you need to be persuaded. Like Paul said, I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. I know some people who need to be persuaded of that. I I like it when he says, I am persuaded about the one, about him. I believed in him whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able, that he is able. I know some people that need to be persuaded of that. There are times when you take the Word of God and try to convince them of what is true. I remember hearing one of the popular preachers on TV one time being interviewed and said that he didn't want to get into some of the political matters of the day because it wasn't his job to convince his congregation one way or the other. I'm saying that it is. It is. I may not do a good job of that. I may not even be successful in that. I may not ever convince you of anything that you're not willing to believe. My job is to do that, is to convince. So when there are hot potato political issues, we need to talk about what God says about that. When there are family issues... We need to talk about what God says about that. When there are issues at work, we need to talk about what God says about that. When there are issues within the church and relationally and emotionally, in any of those ways, we need to see what God says about that. And it's the preacher's job to convince, if at all possible. He says to convince them. But how is he to do that? With all long-suffering and teaching. It doesn't do any good to get mad because they don't believe the way that you want them to. 
It doesn't do any good to get mad because they don't act the way that you want them to. With long suffering, knowing that you're in this for forever. You know, I want to be here for the rest of my life. I, I, I want to be able to pour into you. I want to be able to teach you as long as I can live. But long suffering and with teaching, you're to convince them of truth. He also says that you are to rebuke them. Now, this takes us back to who you're trying to please. If you're trying to please the congregation, boy, you want to stay away from this one. Don't step on any toes. Don't say anything that might offend somebody. Don't correct them. And yet there are times when you have to. There are times when even the preacher himself needs to be able to hear God say, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong in what you believe. You're wrong in what you're doing. You're wrong in your attitude. There are times when every one of us need to be rebuked. Now what you don't need is for the preacher, again, to be a jerk and come up to you and try to rebuke you face to face. But for the man of God to take the Word of God and let the Spirit of God do His work in the people of God. That's what you're waiting for. How is he supposed to do that, though? How does, how does someone who is by nature a people pleaser, a person who does not like confrontation, how, does he, how is he supposed to rebuke? Look right there, we just, we just looked at it. With all long suffering and with teaching. That's how he's to do that. And then there's a third thing that he's supposed to do. He's supposed to convince, he is supposed to rebuke, and he is to exhort. In other words, that's to give people a little nudge. You know, give them a little push that they might do what they've been called to do. It's the mama bird pushing the baby bird out of the nest so that she can learn how to fly. How is he, how is he supposed to do that? <laughs> with all long suffering and with teaching. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, entitled, God's Expectations for the Preacher. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.